Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and I'm so glad that you have joined us today as we continue our study of the book of Matthew. And today we are in Matthew chapter 19. Now, the first 12 verses of this chapter includes probably one of Jesus' least popular teachings, and that is about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And I'm sure you have probably heard a lot of different uh, teachings about this, a lot of different opinions about this, but we're just going to look at what Jesus says. We're just going to look at what he says here in chapter 19. Now in verse 3, the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, under the law of Moses, and they say this in verse 7, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Because in the previous verses, Christ would talk about the fact when you enter that marriage covenant, you're no longer two, but you become one. And as he says in verse 6, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So they said, Can you divorce for any reason? And he's saying, This is a God-ordained relationship. And when you enter into this relationship, you're no longer two, but you become one. You are joined in the eyes of God. And because of that, and because God has joined you together, it is not within the realm of our authority to separate that. And so they ask, why then did Moses say just to, to write a bill of divorcement and you can be on your way? Well, Jesus answered that in verse 8. <clears throat> Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. And this is important. But from the beginning, it was not so. This law is something that is so important. And especially that phrase is something that is so important for us to, to notice. The law that Jesus is describing here, is, it falls into a rare category. And that is a law that transcends all the different dispensations and all of the different ages that we read about in Scripture. It includes the patriarchal age. It included and was supposed to be in the Mosaic age. And it is still true today. This is a law that God set up all the way back in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. And that's what Jesus is saying from the beginning from the time that this relationship and this institution was created, it was never meant to be separated. It was never intended for a husband and wife to get divorced. That was not what God wanted. That was not what he planned for the marriage relationship. But again, Jesus addresses their question because of the hardness of their heart. Moses allowed them to divorce. But Jesus says in verse 9, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Here Jesus makes it pretty clear for us the conditions of divorce and remarriage. He says except for, this is the one and only exception, except for sexual immorality. Now, I love the New King James, and I love the ESV and things like that uh, for the most part. 
But this is one instance where I don't necessarily like the way that they translated that. They translated it sexual immorality, and when you look at that word, it, it's a little too broad for what the Greek originally means. Because sexual immorality could be almost anything. I mean, sexual immorality could simply be lust. That is sexual immorality. But when you look at the particular word that he is using here, it is the word pornea, which means illicit sexual intercourse. He's talking about specifically the physical act of fornication. And he says that that is the only exception for someone who is married to divorce their spouse and marry another. And he says if someone divorces and marries another outside of that one exception, he says they are committing and living in adultery. Again, this is probably one of Jesus' least popular teachings, but it is what God teaches. It is what he commands. That is the standard uh, by which we are to live. The only exception for someone to divorce their spouse and marry another is if their spouse committed fornication. Again, that is the only exception. If we were to divorce for any other reason and marry somebody else, we are living in adultery and we are living in sin. And as his disciples heard this, they said, it would be better not to marry. And he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been made so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So that's verses one through twelve, where Christ lays out very clearly his teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And that was something, if you remember, when we were looking at, I believe it was Matthew chapter five that he discussed there as well. So there we have his teaching on, on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And then in verses 13 through 15, he, he again uses a child as an example. It says, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hand on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them and went away. Again, a very similar idea of what we talked about yesterday at the beginning of chapter 18. That humility and even innocence uh, of children. And then in the rest of this chapter, we have a very interesting account of a young man. Uh, we generally will call him the rich young ruler. And he comes to Christ and he says there in verse 16, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, before we look any further, we're going to stop right there. And if you've noticed, there has been a very common trend throughout a lot of the teachings of Christ. And that is the Pharisees having this idea of, okay, I have done all of these good things. Therefore, I have to be right with God. I have given mine alms. I have fasted. I have done a lot of good. And therefore, I have to be right with him. We see that kind of mentality and attitude coming out here with the rich young ruler. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
He has that mentality of meriting salvation. And of course, if you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures, there's nothing that we can do to put God in our debt. There are things that we are required to do, yes. There's nothing that we can do to put God in a position where he owes it to us to give us salvation. And again, we see that mentality, that attitude coming out with this question that the rich young man is asking. But then in uh, verse 17, Christ tells him, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus tells him in verse 21 to go and to sell everything that he has to give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This young man was not willing to give up the one thing that he needed to give up so that he could have eternal life. He was lacking that one thing. He was lacking that desire to follow Christ regardless of what, whatever it took. He was willing to let those possessions and his wealth to come between him and his service to Christ and his obedience to him. And whenever this happened, Jesus turned and he discusses with, this, uh, with his disciples. He says, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what Jesus is saying is not that it is impossible for those who are wealthy to enter heaven, as he talks about in verse 20, 28. Truly, I say to you, in, or rather, if you back up, uh, continuing there in verse 26, looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus is not saying that it's impossible for someone who is wealthy to have eternal life. I know of many very wealthy Christians. But usually and typically those who are wealthy are not willing to sacrifice that wealth so that they might be obedient to him. And again, this man serves as a good example to be willing to sacrifice, be willing to give up whatever it is that we need to. And as Jesus says in verse 29, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. If we give up the things that we need to give up now, we will inherit eternal life in the life to come. So that is uh, Matthew chapter 19. I thank you so much for tuning in this week and tuning in today. I encourage you to come back Monday as we will be picking up in chapter 20. Thank you for your attention.